0: Here's the verse that the Lord gave to me that maybe this is just for you. I don't know. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That is a powerful verse of Scripture. For the moment that we are in. You see, I'm concerned that we, and by we I'm talking about followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about New Life Church of God, but of course I'm talking about all Christians everywhere. So I'm not just saying it's us. This is, a, this is happening everywhere. I'm concerned that Christians, followers of Christ, have forgotten our hope. I'm concerned that we've let other things crowd out our hope. You see, we're supposed to be ready to share the reason that we have hope. But you understand what that means, don't you? It means we have to have hope. (laughs) Because people should recognize hope in us. Like, it should be evident. The hope we have should shine like a light in the darkness. So much so that when people see us, they go, why are you so hopeful? Why Why are you like that? That's strange. That's not normal. You don't use four-letter words like I use and you still smile all the time. Why is that? Well, because I use a different four-letter word. And that four-letter word defines everything about me. Hope. It should be evident. It should be one of the first things people see in us when we are alone, and it should also be one of the first things that people see in us when we are gathered together. Hope should be our hallmark, our calling card. Well, for the past um, four weeks, I have asked you to do something. Prayer journal. And now uh, we're going to hand out... Can I get a volunteer to hand out some of these things to everybody? Somebody want to do that? This is the third and final prayer journal. So I'm asking you, I need one of those. I have given you two of these already. And this is the third and final one. You see, the Sunday after Easter, I asked you to join with me in 50 days of a prayer journey, seeking the mind of God for our church. I told you... Four weeks ago, the Sunday after Easter Sunday, I told you that we have access to the very mind of Jesus to give us direction if we ask him. Do you remember, do you remember the powerful scripture that we studied four weeks ago? You may not, but I'll remind you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I asked you four weeks ago to take unhurried time every day and listen to the Lord and write down what he says to specific questions. Now our plan, it wasn't, this isn't like rocket science, okay? The plan of this is really quite simple. I wanted us to come before God together as a church and ask God the same question every day. If we come, each one of us, asking God the same question every day, and then just stopping and listening instead of just talking, just listening to what God wants to say to us about each of those questions every day. Now, some of you, I, I know, some of you have been doing this faithfully, and I've talked to some, of, some others, and you've been, well, I, I've missed a few days here and there, and usually people look at me like, like I've caught them in some crime or something. You know that's not the po- that's not the point of this, that's not the point of this. Okay, uh, it it's okay if you miss a day. You're not you're not somehow sinning. Right? That's not that's not the, that's not the issue. Right? The issue is, are you willing to just take some unhurried time with God and let's do it together. Together. Well, today we are two thirds of the way done. And this is our third and final journal that I'm, I'm giving out. And like I already mentioned in announcement time, this coming Thursday, May 13th, is Ascension Day. So imagine, and the, one of the reasons we did this when we did it was because I wanted you to, to think about the fact that when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was with his disciples for 40 days. So do you understand that this Thursday, since all the way since Easter, Jesus had been with his disciples. That's a long time. Think, I mean, does it even compute in your brain how long Easter was ago? It's quite a while ago, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I've moved past Easter at this point, (laughs) right? But Jesus was with them this long. That's why we've decided to do this prayer journal over this extended period of time because the disciples were able to speak with Jesus during this time. Do you understand that? So I'm trying to get our church to go through this process like the disciples. You guys, we are coming off a 15-month time of everything's been turned upside down in a way. If there was ever a time when we need to stop and just listen to God as a church, this is the time. We need to stop, be unhurried, and just ask God together, God, what do you have for us in this place? That's what this is about. And we have access to the mind of God. Because we have access to God's Spirit. Well, it does seem to me that our minds, our minds have been filled with the wrong four-letter words for the past 15 months. (laughs) Doesn't that seem that way? And that's a problem. And it's time to change that. Hope. Hope is the four-letter word that we start with as Christians. And going back to 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. So Jordan, the Spirit has convicted you before my sermon even started. We are supposed to be ready to share that reason for hope. And that reason for hope should be evident. And when people ask, we should be ready. But do this with gentleness and respect. Hope is the starting point for Christians. Hope is the starting point. So have you found it difficult to set aside unhurried time every day to do this? This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to say yes or no. But I'm wondering, have you found it difficult to set unhurried time every day for the last four weeks to do this? Because if the answer is yes, that you have found it difficult to set unhurried time apart every day to do this, might I suggest to you that you have disconnected yourself from the source of hope, and that's why you're feeling so discouraged after these 15 months. Do you see? If you are so busy, so busy doing life that you can't just stop and have some unhurried time seeking the voice of God, it is not surprising that you feel discouraged, that you feel overwhelmed by all of this life stuff that has come at us in the past 15 months. Now, I'm not saying this to give you a guilt trip. I'm saying this to help. I'm I'm trying to point you to where the solution is. Do Do you understand that? I'm pointing you where the solution is. And this exercise that we have gone through together, it's a way of showing you where your priorities are. Do you understand that? And if your priorities are not in connecting with God, you will lose sight of the hope that you have access to. Amen. Do do you understand? I'm holding out. This is the answer. To the discouragement you have felt for the last 14 months, not the prayer journal specifically, but connecting with God, the source of our hope. Hope is the four-letter word that we need. You know, we can get distracted by a lot of things. How many text messages do you suppose you get every day? (laughs) Teenagers, how many snaps do you get every day? Well, I got to keep my snap streak up. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. I'm just talking to the to the under 25 crowd, okay? If you're more worried about your snap streak than spending unhurried time with God, you might want to look into that as a problem. Got to keep that snap streak up, right? How about, why don't you start a snap streak with God? I don't think he's got a Snapchat account. A snap streak for those of you that don't know. Snapchat is a social media app like Facebook, but youth aren't on Facebook anymore. So they've moved on. Snapchat is a very simple connection device that communicate, you can communicate with another person with Snapchat. And if you, what is it? If you, have, if you talk to somebody in four days in a row, that starts a streak. Is it four days, five days? That starts a streak two days, three days. And once you start a streak, it's kind of a cool thing that you keep a streak going. You see that? Am I right? I don't have Snapchat, so I'm, I'm out of date. But it has become a huge thing for teenagers and even some over teenagers not to lose their snap streaks. So they will do whatever it takes not to lose a snap streak. Whatever it takes, they will do. Right? I'm suggesting, teenagers, why don't you start a snap streak with God? Why don't you do whatever it takes, whatever it takes in every 24 hour period to keep your snap streak with God in order? Do you know what happens when you do that? Hope happens. Hope happens. Because the hope that you are searching for, you may not even realize it, but the hope is found when you have a snap streak with God, not your friends. It's not wrong to have a snap streak with your friends. But might I suggest it's wrong to have a snap streak with your friends if you don't have a snap streak with God? Do you see? Do you see what happens when you do that? You are more concerned about connecting with your friends every day. Than you are concerned with connecting with God every day. And when that happens. When you have this the wrong way. When you have it the wrong way. You lose hope. By the way. The average teenager, and I'm just pulling this number out of the air, it's something like 40,000 snaps a year. Did you hear that? What's the average? <laughs> yeah. I was giving a conservative estimate. There are youth in Bertha, I won't name any names, that 40,000 is what they hit in six months. A snap is a message or a picture you send to a friend. 40,000 in six months. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. What if you had that many connections with God? What would change in your life, church? Everything would change. Because God wants to know you. He wants to speak into you. He loves you. Of course, for us older folks, we have similar problems, just not Snapchat. You know, we've got problems with watching the news too much. How many hours a day do you spend watching whichever news channel is your favorite? I know, I know people that Fox News literally runs like an, like an ongoing commentary in their life. Like 24-7, it's just on. Or CNN, whatever. Right? It's just on all the time. Do you think that might be a problem? I think it is. I think it is. Hope is found when you connect with God. When God is in the proper place of authority in your life. So, I want to look at First Peter. Just very quickly. And I want to show you something that is interesting. We're going to go through this last part fairly quickly. I want to show you the verses around First Peter. This is 13 through 16. So here we go. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what, for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Look at that first verse, verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? You see, Peter was writing this letter of 1 Peter to a group of Christians who were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. So much of what he says in 1 Peter is directed towards a group of people that have been beat down By people persecuting them for their belief. Now, I'm not just talking about being burned at the stake or being crucified. Persecution comes in many forms. Persecution can come when you live in a culture that does not believe in Christianity, but you are trying to live like a Christian. By the way, that's happening right now. If you you are in school and you're the kid that doesn't use bad four-letter words you're strange. That's persecution. If if you live in a school and people go to a party where you know there's going to be drinking and you say no, and they know you say no, oh, you're that kid. Persecution. If you are an adult and you are in a workplace where everybody likes to sit around and gossip all the time and you don't participate or you actively speak against it, you're not going to fit in. So, by the way, when we live a holy life, we aren't going to fit in. When we live a holy life, we're not going to fit in and persecution will follow that. And there is lots of pressure to fit in. Pure pressure. So how do you do, how do you combat this as a Christian? How do you how do you stand firm in Christ? Well, Peter in 1st Peter has a whole bunch of stuff to say about this. I'm going to read 5 uh, passages very short verses from 1 Peter that lead up to 1 Peter chapter 3:15. I want you to catch the theme that Peter is trying to tell his people. So here we go. So here's 1 Peter starting chapter 2:11 and 12. I'm just going to read right through these. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Now, pay attention to the theme that's in in common with these verses. Verse 15, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. By the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of their lives. Verse 9: Do not repay evil with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And then verses 10 and 12: 10 through 12. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. All of these passages are just from two chapters in First Peter. And they all lead up to our verse, verse 15. And when you take all of those verses together, it becomes obvious that Peter is telling his people, are you persecuted because of your faith in Jesus? Do you not fit in? Here's the answer. Live a good life. That's the answer. Live a life that's so good, that is so right, that when people persecute you, you're not going to the party. I guess you're just the pastor's kid. I guess you just go to that church that doesn't think that alcohol is a good thing. I guess you're one of those people. Live a life that's so good that their very words turn back on them. That's Peter's answer to Christians that are persecuted for their faith. That's the answer. Live a life that good. And of course, this fits right in with what Jesus said all over the place. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. People can see the way we live. And the way we live is displayed based upon the four-letter word that runs our life. If that four-letter word is hope, it will be seen in every action you ever perform. Do you see this? Hope is displayed like light is displayed. And so... When you look at this passage that we come into, now look again at 13. It makes sense. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ in our lives, we we set it upon ourselves to do everything we can to live a good life. People will not harm us, generally speaking. Generally speaking, people will recognize, even if they don't agree with us, even if they think, well, you're just being know, a straight-laced, you know, whatever, but they won't usually bother us unless we're we're hypocritical, right? But if we're living that life, the, the life of holiness, people will usually, they will usually not harm us, but not always. And the next verse is the, so usually they won't harm you, but not always. So who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good, but... Even if you should suffer for what is right. So this is, the, this is the exception to the rule. Usually, when you do good, people don't bug you. Usually. But sometimes they still do. When they do, when you suffer for doing good, you are blessed. You are blessed. Do You see that? Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Now, it is unlikely you'll be persecuted for doing good, but when you do, you're blessed and don't fear what they fear. Do you know what teenagers fear more than anything else? I'm not sure about this, but I think that this is true for most teenagers. They fear being rejected by their peers. They fear not fitting in. And by the way, that's probably true for many of us, isn't it? You fear being excluded. You fear someone saying, well, you are not. You don't get to be part of this because you're too holy or whatever, so we're not going to invite you into our group. Right? We fear loneliness. It's just that it's, as teenagers, that fear is like exponentially bigger than for adults, usually. Loneliness is a huge fear. But do not fear what they fear. See, everybody fears being lonely. Everybody fears not fitting in. Everybody fears that. But the instruction here is that we are not to fear that. We are not to fear that. We are not to be frightened by what they are frightened of. Now, actually, you see that's in quotes? This is kind of interesting, I think. Peter is actually quoting an Old Testament passage here. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. But now he quotes the second part. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Do you see that? That's a quote. First Peter has quoted Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12. By the way, I like the first part of this. Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. There's a word of truth many of us could do well to listen to. I got, that was, that was good. I, we're not going to linger on that, Okay. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. This is exactly what Peter's quoting. Peter's telling his flock. What's he saying? He's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's where the hope is. The hope is not in fitting in. The hope is in keeping your eyes on Jesus. It's the hope, your hope will not be found in worldly concerns. Your hope is not found by keeping up your snap streak with those people. That's not where the hope is. It's not wrong to have friends, but your hope is not found in your friend streak. That's not where the hope is. The hope is found in your snap streak with God. That's where the hope is. Do not fear not fitting in. Do you see this? Do not fear that. Don't fear what the world fears. See, we have a tendency to get caught up in the concerns of this world, and we start fearing what they fear. I, I, we're not supposed to fear these things. You know, we're not supposed to fear conspiracies. (laughs) I mean, maybe the whole government is against us. You know what? I'm good. I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Maybe the moon landing was fake. Okay. You know, and that all fits together, right? I mean, what's, what's the deal? Look at, look again. Now compare this with back with verse Peter chapter three, verse 15. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason. You see, hope is the starting point, not fear. Hope is the starting point for Christians. By the way, I want to show you something very quickly that's fun. Okay? Go back to Isaiah chapter 8, but look at the next verse. See verse 13? This is the next verse from the one I just showed you. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. Okay, you got that? You see that? The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. Now go back to 3.15. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Do you see that? It's the same. It's just the words are different. Do you see it? Set apart means holy. So when Isaiah says the Lord is the one you are to regard as holy, in verse 3.15... Peter, quoting from Isaiah, says, but, set, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Do you understand? Peter has just replaced Lord Almighty with Christ. We're supposed to set apart Christ as holy in our hearts. That means put God first. That means this, not this. Do you see that? We're supposed to set apart Christ as holy. And by the way, if you're, just a little side note, fun fact, if you ever talk to somebody that doesn't think Christ is Lord, Okay? And there are people in our community here in Bertha that their religion is, we do not believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe He's just a person. In our community in Bertha, there are people that you know that believe this. Okay? Ask them how Peter can change the word Lord Almighty interchangeably with Christ in 1 Peter 3.15. How could Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, take the Lord Almighty from Isaiah chapter 8.13 and replace it with Christ in 1 Peter chapter 3.15. Peter is saying, Christ is the Lord Almighty. Because he replaced the Word. Do you see it? That's a fun fact. So if you ever have a chance to talk, bring that up. How does that work? How could he just replace Christ with Lord Almighty? Hmm. Alright. Summing up. We are to live good lives. So good that the pagan society around us will see a difference. And when we do that, we probably won't be persecuted because people will recognize that we're good folk, right? But even if they do persecute us, and now here's the last part of this. Even if they do, the question is, and this matters for us right now, how are we supposed to respond? When we are persecuted, when we do good, but we are still persecuted, what is the appropriate way that Christians are to respond to that persecution? So, going back to the teenager example, if someone's like, doesn't, they, they, they persecute you by you don't get to come to the party, how are we supposed to respond? Are we supposed to go, well, you're just a bunch of sinners going to hell? I'm holy. No, no. That's not quite right, is it? That's not quite right. Well, good thing for us, Peter just tells us. And we've already read it like four times. Now this is important, this last little part here. This matters, okay? Because I'm suggesting to you something very important. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Could you just all read together that last sentence? But do this with gentleness and respect. Oh, I wonder where Pastor Jason's going with this now, huh? Uh Uh-oh. And here is the exact place where I believe most Christians have failed in the last 15 months. And this, I believe, is the key to understanding why we have lost our hope. Are you hearing me, church? With gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The only way that happens is if you respond with gentleness and respect. Did you see this right here? The only way verse 16 happens is if you respond with gentleness and respect when you are persecuted as a Christian. The only way that happens is if you have gentleness and respect. When Christians are persecuted for doing good, for living godly lives, for setting apart Christ as Lord, all of this is lost If our response to persecution lacks gentleness and respect, the hope we have in Christ is shown by how we respond to persecution. I'm going to say that again. The hope we have in Christ is shown by how we respond to persecution. If Christians respond to persecution... By throwing it back just as nasty as it was thrown at us. We've already lost. We've already lost. And we've been losing for 15 months, church. The very nature of our response, if we just throw it back at them. The very nature of our response proves we don't have the hope in the first place. And now consider that last 15 months. Global pandemic, racial tension, political division, face mask controversy, separation. The way we respond to these things displays our hope or it displays our lack of hope. Do you understand that? This is what Peter is saying to us, "Oh, persecuted church. Oh, persecuted church. This this matters. I cannot tell you how strongly I disagree with the way some in our political system have decided to fight against what's going on. The way we fight, followers of Jesus Christ, is with gentleness and respect, always in love. And that is the source of hope. And if you fight in a different way, you will not have hope. This is how this works. This is why so many are hopeless when they should be full of hope. Because their response is wrong to this entire thing. We must respond with hope. And when we respond, that hope has to have gentleness and respect. And then that can happen. That can happen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, (laughs) can I remind you we're on the winning team? Do you need to be reminded of that? Our team wins the game in the end. We win in the end. Act like we've won. (laughs) Do you know, because if if you know that we've won... Then responding with gentleness and respect when somebody says something is not difficult. Christ wins in the end. Act like it. That's what we can do. Our response matters. Are you feeling persecuted? It's okay. In fact, it's a blessing. Now, if you're being persecuted because you're doing dumb stuff or bad stuff or stuff you shouldn't be doing, uh, you got some work to do, right? That's pretty clear. But if you're, if you're doing good, if you're trying to live your life well, if you're trying to follow Scripture and, and be a good citizen, a good person, when someone persecutes you, respond with gentleness and respect, and you will have the hope of Jesus Christ shining in you like a light that cannot be extinguished. We can. And we must. Be a people of hope. Especially after the 15 months we've just experienced. We haven't done a great job this far. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about like Christians in general. Like we haven't done well. We've we've tried to respond with the same nastiness. And so now I'm going to close with a quick story about something that just happened in the school this week. Maybe it was last week. I'm telling this story because you might not be aware of it, but I want you to know what's going on. It was announced in school last week that there was going to be a day when people could show their solidarity for the LGBTQ movement. And they were allowed, they were encouraged to wear rainbow clothing at the school if they wanted to to express their view on this. And that was that was put in the announcements of the school. Because a student had requested that that happen. Now, we can get into that issue another time. Our church stands against that. We stand for marriage between one man and one woman. It's scriptural. Old Testament, New Testament, all the way. But our response matters. Now, I happened to get wind that a group of students in the school decided that they were going to respond to this by wearing all black to school the day when rainbow shows your solidarity. That is not the correct response. Do you understand why? Because that is not a response of gentleness and respect. That's a response of fighting fire with fire. Christians, followers of Christ... We do not win this culture war by using fire against fire. Do you hear me? We only win with love. We only win by responding with gentleness and respect. It is the only way for Christians. In the political side of things, all I hear is the most nasty, vicious, horribleness by people that claim to be Christians. We have already lost when that happens. I'm thankful for technology. We were able to get word out to at least the students in our youth group on that day. Do not wear black, we said. Also, do not wear rainbow, we suggested. Instead, wear a shirt that, ex- that shows that you are a follower of Christ. Now, I don't know if that was the perfect response or not. But it's a response of gentleness and respect. For people that are loved by God, we are to love the people that have the image of God. Do you know who that is? Everybody. That is a practical example of what I'm talking about. We can do this. We can be the force in our culture that changes everything. But it's gentleness and respect built on the hope of Christ and always in love. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have hope, a hope that goes far beyond the stuff that we have been facing in the last 15 months. It is my prayer that the four letter word that guides everything that we are, every single thing that we do, every single fiber of our being is that word hope. It's the beginning. And of course, love is a four-letter word that defines everything that we are, our very essence. Lord God, may we be a people of hope. In Jesus' name, amen.